Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are at uh, MultiChoice's offices. And I say MultiChoice's offices because if you've ever been to Randburg, they have many offices. Uh, but for today, uh, we are. I hear that uh, this is the actual heartbeat of the operation. Uh, we are at uh, Mnet's uh, headquarters. Uh, am, I, am I correct today? Magic Center. Magic Center. And we are going to be talking to Shirley Adonisi, uh, who is the director for local entertainment channels uh, for Mnet. And uh, we're going to be understanding just a little bit around, you know, strategy positioning, um, you know, some of what they're seeing in the market and, you know, what we can uh, what we can expect. Those that follow, you know, know that I cover technology, media and telecom. So MultiChoice is, the, is one of the companies that, um, you know, I tend to follow, you know, quite closely. Uh, so really glad uh, to be having this opportunity to chat, um, you know, to Shirley just around, you know, some of what they are doing. So Shirley, greetings to you today. Hello, how are you? No, no, no. Alive, good, well, and thriving on this end. Um, thank you so much for, you know, uh, allowing us to come to your offices. Uh, really looking forward to, you know, the discussion. A good place for us to start, I think, is maybe getting a sense of, um, I guess, your unit, um, you know, inside the company. Um, usually we ask people, okay, tell us about your company. But when it comes to um, the multi-choice and its various umbra- and its various operating companies. Usually, you don't need any introduction on that end. Whether you're talking about uh, DSTV, Showmax, Mnet, Supersport, and the rest, there's no need for an introduction there. But maybe your role when we talk about uh, local entertain local uh, entertainment channels, what are we talking about? And maybe you could also explain to people that may not understand that Mnet is different from you know uh, all these other things here. Yeah. Okay, um, I think the simplest way is to um, to kind of categorize what we do this side of the road. So obviously we are here to create content um, and we acquire content, we license content depending on which channel um, you are working on. Yeah. So general entertainment is the umbrella term for all of that. Then you divide that into Mnet as in 101 um, and all the channels that um, we own that have international content, which are the movie channels as well. Then you've got Geeknet, which then caters to your Afrikaans audiences in terms of the local content that they commission. And then you've got then the local channels, um, which is where I fit in. So I am the channel director for the local channels, which speaks mostly to the mass market. So you've got One Magic, you've got Nzansi Magic, Nzansi Where Two, Nzansi Biscope, Channel O, and Nzansi Magic Music. So those are the channels that I look after. Um, I have uh, a very close relationship with the Content Hub, which are the actual commissioning teams that commission and help to produce this content with our producers. So essentially the strategy will come from channel to say, okay, for F25, for example, this is where um, the strategy for each channel should go where we see it to go. And of course, that's informed by a lot of people, a lot of research, etc. Then we sit with the content hub and we formulate those ideas to say, 
what could be a show that caters to this particular subject. And once we then have an understanding of that, we obviously have to allocate a budget towards it. And then those briefs go out to the industry for uh, producers to then respond um, to respond to those briefs. And then another process begins of actually picking ones that have potential, going through a series of pitching sessions until eventually we land up with the one we, the chosen one, so to speak. <laughs> and then we start, start kicking in in terms of then producing those shows and they are attached to a particular transmission at TX date. Then I work obviously along with marketing because we've got to market these shows, hence this campaign that we are going to talk about today. We work very closely with our GE marketing as well as um, DSTV marketing. And then we work together with our scheduling team and our on-air team. So our scheduling teams are the ones that actually make sense of all this content what plays what after what, when is the omnibus, when is the repeat, um, how many repeats. It's, uh, it, is Wednesday a better day than Friday for this particular show? So it's, it's almost like taking out all these shows that you have and, and presenting it to your customer in the best way possible. Um, so there's that macro planning in terms of scheduling. And then we've got the micro scheduling who are the ones that put in um, the fillers and they work together with the adverts and any sponsorships attached so that eventually what you see is a seamless log where every single second of the day is allocated to something. So it really starts from the overall GE strategy and then the implementation thereof and then how we present it to the market and obviously letting them know what the what the content is through marketing. So that's that's kind of like the life cycle of what we do here. I feel like we've just gotten a small crash course into how um, the content that you see on TV actually arrives to that point from, because I think you just gave us like a very brief into like ideation all the way up to what we're actually seeing um, on the screen. One of the things that I really wanted to touch on and get your, your thoughts on is the fact that multi-choice has really doubled down and, uh, made it part, a big part of their strategy, you know, this issue of localization, that whatever market they're in there, they are working towards programming, you know, that is suited for each one of the territories that they work in. And uh, I can certainly attest that uh, South Africa is probably the biggest piece um, you know, of that, I grew up watching a lot of uh, that uh, that content on the likes of Mnet, etc. So, you know, very, you know, very big. Um, but I wanted to get a sense of when you're thinking about, I guess, local content, right? What does that actually mean? And the reason I say what does that actually mean is because you've got various you know, channels that are under your purview, right? That you that you mentioned, whether it's One Magic, whether it's um, Zanzi Magic Channel, or etc. How do you decide the right and appropriate mix? You know, for 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 the market. I guess I'm trying to understand: is it a is there a market sounding exercise? Is it focus groups? You know, do you see what's popular on competing platforms? Like, how do you make uh, that decision? Because earlier on, you did mention how um, you sort of go out into the market and look for content, right? But my question is just more about what, how do you decide what type of content you're going out into the market to look for? 
I get you. Um, and that really is based on we have a whole research team. You mentioned focus groups that are very important for us. We do research basically constantly, um, I think every quarter in terms of what our audience is like, what they don't like in terms of content or as DSTV as a whole. And also how we position each channel in the market, right, and who we speak to. So if you are a premium customer, we, we, we commission different types of content than if you are a compact subscriber or a, an access subscriber. But with that being said, it doesn't mean your viewing patterns are restricted to that because our compact plus people and premier love Mzansi Magic um, and they love uh, Channel O. So for us, um, I'll start with One Magic, which is our top end. Our audiences for One Magic tend to be very female skewed. Um, women that are more liberated, they're not as conservative. They are not uh, adverse to taboo subjects. They are curious. They are aspirational. Um, but at the same time, they are very driven in terms of what they want and they, what they would like to have and the stresses that they have in their lives. So if you look even with the international comp content we will have shows like Real Housewives of whatever New York uh, Basketball Wives um, we will have the Beach Shazams we'll have the Equalizer um, still very black skewed content but very aspirational so we try and emulate that with our local offering um, but in a uniquely South African way so the river being in its sixth season you'll see in terms of the set and the lead character is a very opulent character Lindy Way is a very wealthy woman who runs a mine for example but we still have a township um, storyline which is very prevalent so that makes it very realistic for our audiences because we know sometimes the the disparities that we have between the rich and the poor um, even with 1802 um, the other telenovela we have the subject matter is a little bit more advanced it's a traveling in time um, where you kind of have to apply your mind also to figure out what's happening mm -hmm. but it's also a love story our, our dramas on a Thursday, um, we've just um, started with how to manifest a man. So if you look at that, you know, we cast Antle as the, as the lead there. It's this really woman who supposedly has a perfect life, but her husband doesn't love her. And then she's given this opportunity to make him what she wants. You know, it's this very uh, devious, but it's also very glamorous and opulent. Uh, same for Real Houses of Johannesburg, those type of Friday shows. So that is a one magic thing. But for Mzansi Magic, we're speaking to the mass market. They're a little bit more conservative. There's a little fewer devices in the house. Maybe there's a one TV and a couple of phones and a tablet. But co-viewing is still very important for them. So you'll get the gran and the mom and the kids watching television. So that content has to speak to them. We cannot push the boundaries with them because there's a little bit of cultural differences, a little bit of... Um, conservatism especially around topics that are maybe a little touchy and that audience does not really want to have awkward moments in the home they want to just sit and watch television <laughs> so we yeah. have to kind of watch how much we push the envelope in terms of certain subjects whether it's sexual content whether it's um, innuendoed whether it's taboos um, they are more um, afraid to watching content that they can relate to completely yeah. in terms of the characters and what's happening there. Um, so a lot of friend, family friendly content, um, a lot of co-viewing content, but also a lot of, you know, 
pushing the boundaries, but in a way that they can tolerate. So polygamy for us was a big thing five years ago. No one did a show about polygamy, but they knew about it. So it wasn't like a, oh, you know what I mean? But now going into that polygamy space with Utando Nestembu and Izingani Nestembu, mm. now they are in there, they get it. And, and the conversations are more positive than negative because we choose to show that content in the light in which it is. We don't judge we just give you the information and it's for you to form your opinion. Um, we also went into the lives of uh, little people in terms of, you know, their aspirations to have children and et cetera. Um, we also went into the lives of twins who wanted one husband, but that's their life. But you see in that we were not really, there was no shock factor or any awkward moments that could come up in the in the family home during that time. So Nzansi Magic is very much centered around the family but we push the envelope to a lesser degree in terms of subject matter. Yeah. But in terms of being overtly obvious and nudity and sex and that, they, they are, they are just not, not for that. Well. They would rather not have those awkward okay, moments. Yeah. Um, our access audience is very much like a free-to-air um, type of um, person, I'll call that. They love a, a bit of everything. They love their news. They love their current affairs. They love sport. They love dramas. And they love their telenovelas, but they like they love their realities. And what we are what we are doing with Mzansi Wetu now, which is super exciting, it's in a very great space now. Is um, yes, we window down content from from compact down to access, but we have now increased the number of local hours on Mzansi Wetu, so original Mzansi Wetu shows, with um, with uh, Spongile and the Laminis that premiered two weeks ago. Yeah. That is a uniquely way to. Um, telenovela but if you compare the two again this one is more a hopeful one show me how to do something how can I be like the next person um, you know so that you know if you are in a tough place we give you that hope that look at this person they did that you know they applied for an bursary they come from the same type of home that you come from they have the same problems because our, our lead, lead, leading lady has a gambling problem um, and then our our that's the mother and then the the girl then loses a bursary because of the gambling problem then she's forced to go look for work and she works as a domestic worker so the to, the, the subject matter for where to is even more to the ground but that sense of hope of I can do it I can see you do it oh it means I can do it and then of course um, Channel O is our younger market yeah. um, music uh, Gen Z's um, you know social digital fashion dancing it's all that um, immediate gratification type yeah, of content yeah, yeah. a very short form and then Zanzi Magic Music is a little bit of an older sophisticated palette Afropop you know, you love maybe your jazz, you love your uh, throwback songs, um, you don't mind listening to songs from 10, 15 years ago, yeah. Boys to Men, etc. So the research helps us to differentiate our audiences, but still we don't forget that our audience is mainly black and black audiences will watch what they like. Yeah. So the one magic person will watch Gomorra on 161 and they will watch Spongile on Zanziwetu. They don't have any kind of filter. If they love the content, they'll be there. But in how we commission that content, we tend then to differentiate in terms of what each audience member is palatable for. You know, one of the things that then becomes uh, a curiosity for me, because we are a business platform, is 
Um, what are the budget considerations when you're distinguishing between um, these types of uh, these types of content? Because a lot is said about you know big budget productions internationally. I think famously a couple of years ago, Game of Thrones was doing ten million dollars per episode, which is just really ludicrous, ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> right? So maybe you could maybe help us to understand. Uh, I guess the considerations. Uh, maybe we can just use two uh, for the sake of time. You know, maybe um, a mass market telenovela versus you know one that's more you know upmarket. I think those are the distinct uh, one that's going on one magic versus one that's going on um, Zanzi magic. How do you? What are the budget considerations there? Because if I'm a if I'm a director or a producer, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay. Okay, cool. If I want to produce one of these shows, how much am I looking at? Is my mm. is my two million rand gonna be enough? <laughs> you know, for a twenty episode run, or you know, should I, you know, be considering a little bit more? Yeah. Look, budgets is always a, a, a balance, right? Um, and you're right, you'll never get all the money that you want, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so you have to be very deliberate in where you spend and what you expect the ROI to be. Um, there are some easy wins for us. For example, if I use our movie channel, Zanzi Bioscope, right? That is a very profitable channel with the least amount of investment. Um, but it's enough investment to to commission the types of movies we want. We're not looking for a Game of Thrones. We're looking for very simple township local movies that we can broadcast because that's for family, right? And that's also our avenue for industry development. So it's very, very important to give somebody a first chance and we give them that on uh, a way to Anam Zanzi Bioscope, so to speak, because then it feeds. As we as you grow as a producer, we then you graduate, right? Then you Maybe get a reality show, it's a little bit more money. Then you get a drama, which is a little bit more money. Then you get a Sunday drama, which is a little bit more money. Then you get a telenovela, which is a little bit more money. So starting from the bottom up also helps us in the long run. But to go back to your question, um, it really boils down to the creative. Um, the creative comes and then you decide um, how how can I enhance it, right? So first of all, where does where does this telenovela fit? Is it a one magic or is it Zanzi magic? Yeah. Then we make that decision. Once we've made that decision, then we know, okay, which slot are we going to put it in? Uh, generally, what's the expected ROI of that slot? Because essentially, you want to be in a place where your content pays for itself. Yeah. So if you're going to risk and spend let's say, an exorbitant amount of money on a telenovela, you need to be sure that you're going to get that money back somehow, whether it's through revenue or whether it's through windowing. Uh, because, you know, as each each show windows down, it continues to make money. What is windowing? Just for So windowing, so I'll use the river, for example. The river is on One Magic currently. It's also on Zanzi Magic and it's also on Zanzi Way too. The difference being the seasons. So even though it sits on three channels, it still makes money on the three channels. So at the end of its life cycle, which could be however many years later, it's it's paid for itself completely. Okay, so that then allows you, I guess, that it's 
current on one channel and a little bit Correct. off on the one and then well behind on another. Correct. And that allows you to extend the life cycle. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so that's the one way. And then obviously for for, for Zanti Magic, we the research is very important. Our audiences are very vocal about, oh, that looks so cheap. Oh, we could have done better. <laughs> oh, we need more A-listers. Uh, we could have got a better cost or, you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. So we take that all into consideration because obviously to get a better cost, it's, it's more it's more um, investment. But at the same time, like I said, you've got to give the young up-and-coming one a, a chance as well. So it's a balance of that as well. We try and shoot our telenovelas on location as much as possible. So in the townships, in the streets, not necessarily studio-based because it gives us, again, that authenticity of not being in a studio that costs more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're very deliberate in in, in what, what we do in a studio and what we do on location. And then the less you invest, the more you are kind of locked into then more studio type of shoots and then less on the outside. So we decide as a team on how to spread the money. We work with media sales of how we can make that money back. Um, and we work with our CII team, which is the research team that, that tells us if we've got it spot on or we've got it completely wrong. And then next time we learn the lesson and we do better. Okay. Keen to understand uh, when you're making those distinctions uh, because nowadays people are talking a lot about streaming, right? Is it cheaper to produce a show that's going straight to streaming or is it cheaper to produce a show that is out for what you call this, uh, for for scheduled live TV, uh, you know, normal TV? I would say it's not cheaper, right? Uh, Because at the end of the day, both of those customers want quality content. Um, So if you are a fan of content that's on Showmax, for example, which our content hub team produces, you'll see that some of the budgets are on par, if not higher than some of the linear budgets, because again, it's based on the content because streaming works slightly differently in terms of chasing subscriptions. Um, We chase subscriptions and ad revenue and other ways of making money. They are really more reliant on subscriptions. So that piece of content that they've got on for three months or two months has to hit the numbers for them to to meet those subscription numbers, right? Whereas for us, we've got the benefits of AdWords. We've got sponsors that we attach. So I wouldn't say the one is cheaper than the other. It really depends what you're trying to achieve with both um, streams. But I would definitely not say cheaper. Okay. And the reason I ask is simply because when one looks at I guess the catalog of programming across the multi-choice properties, you do see, I think you spoke about windowing, you know, just now, and you do see, you know, certain content existing, you know, live, you know, certain content existing live and on, you know, a show max and then other content live, live on show max and on the DSTV stream platform. Um, how do you guys make those, uh, what you call this, uh, those decisions? Does everything that's produced in the name of local content necessarily end up um, on a show max? Do you, is there a one season lead time? Like, yeah. yeah. Yes, there's a whole convoluted methodology, <laughs> which I will not bore you with. <laughs> um, 
But because we've become very deliberate as multi-choice about streaming and growing Showmax, um, you know, we are we are all there to support it as well. Um, and uh, we're speaking to the same people at the end of the day, right? Um, so some some shows will be exclusive to Showmax for a certain amount of time. So, for example, The Wife, which was a very high-budget show for them, was exclusive to Showmax, again, to drive those numbers for them. Mm-hmm. Then after a while, when the audience is now ready for the next it then comes to linear. Yeah. Um, and how that helps us is we, we put it, we don't put it in prime time, but we put it on the show so that if you're an access subscriber who doesn't have Showmax, you can still see the wife. And yes, it's a year later, but you can still see the wife. And it's still relevant. We don't window um, without thought. If something is not suitable for a certain channel, we don't necessarily put it there. It, you have to look at each piece of content separately. Um, and then there are some shows we have day and date with Showmax. So um, the same time it's on 161, they also have it. Then there are some shows they don't have access to at all. And then there are some shows that they get six months after the linear broadcast. So there's a whole, um, I guess, guidelines that we follow. But ultimately, when we are done with a piece of content, instead of it sitting in the archive library downstairs, it can then sit on Showmax for however long. Let's say five years, five years, it can sit there because people love to binge. And we cannot give you the luxury of binging on a linear platform, but we certainly can for you on a Showmax. So that if you missed a show from season one, you can go to Showmax and start that show from season one, especially when you're on holiday or whatever then you find yourself having caught up to where people are. So it's, it's, a, it's a win-win situation. We work together with them. They support us. We support them. Okay. Um, and on that, you know, because there's a lot of balancing, you know, that one senses from a conversation like this, um, that you have to be, you have a lot of balls in the air and you have to be thinking about how do you move strategically your chess pieces on the board. And one of the things I've seen or just observed is the fact that for certain productions, certain shows, um, there'll be, let's say, a dedicated, let's say, YouTube channel, or maybe there'll be a Zansi Magic YouTube channel or something, and there'll be other previews and all that. How do you make the, how do you decide? Because in certain cases, I've seen what looks like almost an entire episode that will sit on a YouTube, um, and that's not a platform that yourselves control but i guess uh for for the for the everyday person it's it's an accessibility Mm. thing um talk to me about you know those types of decisions because i'm sure somewhere in this convoluted uh, strategy that there is thinking behind absolutely because i've also noticed that after some time some of that content also gets deleted correct um you know from some of those channels so and I'll speak to just the content that we have put on there willingly, not the ones that are pirated, right? Yes, because, you know, <laughs> um, so we can't deny and we can't be naive to say that everybody in South Africa is watching our channels and, you know, that's all they watch. There are a lot of people still that don't have subscriptions, right? They are reliant on free to air. Um, so those platforms like YouTube allow us to speak to that person and hopefully entice them to sign up. Mm-hmm. So if we've got a couple of episodes that they get to watch for free on YouTube, they will get an interest in that content to say, hey, what is this piece of content? Oh my gosh, they've got me hooked now and they're not loading any more episodes. Okay, where do I go? Yeah. 
where can I find it? Then it will then lead them to, uh, we call it almost like a train station where you now can pick which avenue or which route to take. Do you go the traditional decoder satellite way? Do you go the the streaming, a DSTV app streaming way? Do you go the Showmax way? Yeah. Um, so it for us is to get you almost at that train station and then we will then try and give you the best product possible based on what your needs are. Um, so it is very deliberate for our team to put some episodes fully on YouTube and other platforms that are free because for us it's a way to speak to audiences that no, not necessarily see our promos or anything, you know, our media releases or anything. So it is deliberate from our end because there are people who don't have television or subscription television, many, many of them, but they are on these free platforms. It's it does make uh, what you call this. It does make sense, especially the the enticement piece. Um, and I do think about the fact that I guess from a business point of view, depending on what your strategy is, you could still make money from the ads that are rolling from there. So um, you know, to your earlier point where you said each show at some point must be paying, uh, what you call this must be paying for itself. Uh, I think that's the one point that has been drilled down in me uh, <laughs> properly, you know, through this discussion. Um, so much is said about streaming, right? Um, and from a local content point of view, it's one of the ways in which uh, MultiChoice as a group has said they, they, they've they distinguished their offering, you know, versus any of the international players. If you want something in your language, your stories, etc., we, you know, um, have them. How are people actually consuming the content that you're producing as local, uh, what you call this, as uh, as local content? Is it the linear? Is it the 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 the, the live streaming broadcast? Is it uh, the pure streaming play on a show max? How are people consuming this local content uh, that you guys are producing? I think it goes back to my point also of what's happening in the household. Yeah. Right. So in knowing who our customers and what's happening in the household, we are able to collate the data of how content is viewed. So I'll, if I use One Magic for example, yeah. the the One Magic customer has access to a lot of content because it's the most amount of 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 of, of channels, if I can put it that way. So there is no way, even if they sit on their couch. For 20, you know, for, from prime time to when they go to bed, that they will be able to consume all the shows, yeah. right? Um, and in, in, in the higher markets, there's also more than usually two TVs in the house yeah. and there's yeah. tablets, etc. So the, the higher um, bouquet uh, audience members tend to choose what they watch live mm -hmm. and choose what they want to watch um, on catch-up. And so catch-up is very important to us because for us it still counts, right? Uh, and even just recording to watch later, right? Because some people do that. They record the whole season. Then they will watch catch-up on their episodes on the weekend. They will watch all five on the weekend. So we know what those viewing patterns are for us. I think for us the bottom line is there's viewing happening whether it's on catch-up, whether it's being streamed live, um, and because especially now with load shedding, et cetera, um, you know, people who have Wi-Fi and the bandwidth in their homes can continue to watch um, television. Um, but when you move down then to the lower tiers of mass and mid middle and mass market, the viewing patterns, they change. Um, 
streaming you find more with your younger people. Yeah. I think they are not afraid of technology. Um, COVID has taught us taught us about streaming and Wi-Fi, etc. Yeah. So that accelerated that. So depending who's in the home and whether they have a phone or not, they, you will find that there is more streaming. Wi-Fi is more readily available in townships. People download their things that they want to watch at work, and then they watch it later. So the behavior is definitely changing. Um, um, and, and many of our compact subscribers don't necessarily have catch-up on their decoders. So it depends who's watching. The one who doesn't have a device will be reliant on the decoder and the availability of electricity um, to watch their content. Hence, the scheduling you see is also allows for daytime repeats. So if you missed your episode last night, you can watch it during the day. And then we also have an additional catch-up channel. I'll put it in inverted commas, which we're calling Switched On, in which we take the whole block of prime time and we repeat it the following day on a separate channel. So even if you your load shedding, your power comes back at 8 o'clock and you still want to watch Gomorrah, you then move over to Switched On and then you can still watch that night's episode of of, um, of Gomorrah. Then the young ones, the Gen Zs, they are on their gadgets. They are on multiple apps at the same. It's TikTok, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, and they're watching something on YouTube and they're watching television at home. So they're, they're a little bit more... Um, I won't use the word schizophrenic, uh, but they're just all over the place. So I think they're the most difficult ones to catch and keep because we can catch them and have something for 20 minutes, but are we going to keep them, right? So that time spent viewing is very short. So the the scheduling on Channel O and the content in sh- on Channel O is really more about instant gratification, short and sharp and to the point. And if I love it, I love it. I'll come back for it. And if I don't, it's fine. I'll watch something else online. So it, it, it's a myriad of, of things that influence our audiences, but we're very deliberate in finding out how, how things change. And as you move and you improve and you get a job and you can buy a second television and you now have Wi-Fi, how does that change things in your house, you know? So it, it's, a, it's, a moving, it's a moving puzzle piece all the time. We always try and catch up and also forecast what could possibly happen in terms of our customers' lives. It is a very interesting one because I think what you've just said, it brings a lot of um, pieces together uh, because I remember on the same platform, we once um, spoke to the head of um, Samsung Consumer in South Africa, right? Uh, that's basically the the half of Samsung that is not mobile, TVs, fridges, etc. And he was telling us uh, buying patterns around televisions in South Africa. And he said, you know, many homes, because of how how, how often or uh, a TV is not something that you're buying every year, right? The upgrade life cycle, I think he said, was about six years on a television. So he was saying in many households, you end up having multiple TVs, right? Because the one that was the main TV, um, it was great back in the day, but now it sort of gets demoted into one of the bedrooms and then you shift that way. And I guess that then ties into, you know, for a platform like MultiChoice, uh, how people then are using these various screens, um, you know, is is the is the main screen the one that's connected to a decoder? Is the whole house connected to Wi-Fi? And then the the load shedding debate also then uh, comes into uh, what you call this into the equation. Uh, I remember we 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 spoke to 
your CEO at some point, uh, Calvo, and he mentioned that during times of load shedding across the industry in South Africa, I think the number that was mentioned was audiences can drop by about 32%, but I think multi-choice has it at around 12 or 13%, uh, just depending. Where I want to end off for today, because we are running out of time, is um, I don't work for multi-choice, so I'm not shy to bring up your competitors, Netflix, Amazon, etc. One of the things that they've been beating the drum on when it comes to local content is the fact that uh, their local content has been able to travel. When I think about shows like Squid Game, uh, Money Heist, this was a Korean show, this was a Spanish language show that were able to travel um, out of their home countries into the rest of the world. Keen to understand, um, I understand the power of South African stories, but maybe you have the data of how they travel because I grew up in Zimbabwe and I grew up watching a lot of South African content because um, because of DSTV, right? So I can, and a lot of it was very relatable. It wasn't, you know, foreign at all. So I, I can definitely see that just because something is local in one market does not necessarily mean it doesn't translate um, in another market. So keen to get a sense of um, how do you think local content in South Africa is able to travel, I guess, uh, across uh, across the continent? I think there's two ways. Yeah. Um, what we've learned um, by having um, colleagues in other countries is we, we can't do a lift and shift in terms of a content. We can't assume that a show that works here will work in Nigeria or in Tanzania, et cetera, et cetera, uh, because that customization is very, very important to our audiences and the relatability. So the way that we've come up with to kind of circumvent that is to take formats of a story but customize it to that country. So, for example, you'll find a date, my family, in another part of Africa. You'll find an OPW in another part of Africa. We've adapted the river, for example, in another part of Africa. So the, the, the story Bible is there, but then you then customize it for your region and your audiences. We've done the same even in the in the... In the way to telenovela that we've had, we've adapted it from an African telenovela, which was called Zuba. So as multi-choice, we share our IP because we own that IP. And if you are able to see as a channel director that, hey, I saw this on South African television. This could work here. Yes, we tweak that. We tweak that. The language then, you obviously then hire your actors. It's not dubbed. It's not subtitle. You then then can adapt it to those countries. So that is how we share our content outside the South African border but that's within the multi-choice group. Outside of Africa and the world, we have a dedicated sales team who are responsible for exactly that. They go to international broadcasters and sell our content, and we deliver it in the format in which they prefer. So obviously, a lot of our content is in our vernacular languages. We then deliver dialogue sheets to them. They are able to dub it in whatever languages that they would like to. So the markets that um, I know we've been successful in is the U.S. um, and South America and a few European um, countries that that do buy our content, they literally license it from us. And and are you able to share which shows have been popular? I don't have a list at the moment, okay. but if I think of it, Legacy has been sold. It was on One Hundred One, and I think we sold Linga Shoni, which was a telenovela on One Magic. Yeah. But those are the ones I remember seeing in an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they 
that is what they do. That is what uh, the Mara and the team do. They go out and they sell our authentic stories, not just South African, in Af- the Africa pot. And then you customize it to the audience because people are not afraid to subtitles. They are not afraid to dubbing. Um, we also dub some Turkish novella, Turkish telenovelas into Afrikaans. Um, but what we are proud of there is that the content was produced here. So it is now represented in a way in which we are proud of. It is not the other way around where an American broadcaster comes in to the country and tells one of our stories and because sometimes they miss the nuances, et cetera, et cetera. And I think even with um, Shaga for us, it was very, very deliberate to make sure it was made in South Africa. It was completely in Isizulu. You know what I mean? It was completely authentic and any broadcaster that wants to buy it from us, we know that it's represented in a way in which we want to be represented and it didn't have to be altered for a white market or an international market. So even if you're in Germany, you want to watch Shaka, you're going to watch it the way it was made. Um, So that is how our content travels uh, for us Um, because it's not that we are feeding the world we are feeding our customers yeah. and where are our customers located? This is where they are. And then the ones that are in the diasporas and international uh, spaces, they can watch that content on Showmax depending on how they subscribe. But we are satisfying the need at home first. And then we spread our wings in terms of you like it, you want it, then you can have it. All right. So that brings us to the end of uh, today's discussion. It has really been, uh, you know, quite great drilling down um, into multi-choices local content strategy. Uh, I've certainly learned a lot, especially around scheduling, um, around how shows are being uh, generated, the research that actually goes into deciding, you know, what's going to go on what channel, um, you know, what tiers the channel, um, also at the same time, what is the budget you know, what are some of the budget considerations? I actually wasn't even aware um, that uh, consumers um, and some of the feedback that they give about the cast and, you know, the look and feel of a show actually gets taken into consideration, um, you know, when they are um, coming up uh, with new shows. And also just interesting, you know, just understanding uh, the mix between, you know, various viewing habits. So much is said about um streaming right now uh, but i think a conversation like this would surely lets us know uh, the fact that uh, you know live broadcast too has a huge uh, you know role to play and the fact that uh, you know for many households you still need there's still many points of friction along the way for someone to enjoy streaming in south africa you still need to um, cater for the connectivity piece, you know, before we even go anywhere. So satellite, you know, does still offer, you know, huge value uh, to many audiences out there. Um, So it has been great. And then obviously ending off uh, talking about uh, the ways in which uh, South African stories are able to travel, you know, because you're either um, having South Africans in the diaspora um, that are, you know, consuming some of this content. I remember a couple of years ago, I was in Dubai and it was very interesting to learn that there's over 30,000 South Africans in a place like, uh, you know, that in a place like Dubai. And today we're learning that um, the content, you know, South African content uh, coming out of, you know, this Mnet team has been popular in places like Latin America, I think the United States and you said Europe, um, you know, as well. So, you know, very interesting on that end. Before I let you go, 
earlier on at the beginning, you mentioned something about a campaign. Have you spoken uh, about that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we, you know, this year we're very deliberate in 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 the marketing of our of our shows, and I think before we relied more on marketing each individual show, yeah. but because we have so many shows, it it actually gets lost in the consumer's mind to say, oh this, my gosh, because you know we can launch t- ten shows in a month sometimes, yeah. and if you're going to promo each one individually, the consumer at some point doesn't take it in. So we've created these wonderful um, campaigns and we're currently going with Standi Drama, right? Uh, because whether it's uh, it's a telenovela or it's a, it's a Monday or Sunday drama or even our reality shows during the week, they tend to bring some kind of drama. Um, so our, our, um, our couple's shows are always very dramatic. Um, you know, Izinganiza's Timber is the one that's on at the moment. We also delve into the taxi business with Imboniyama Degisi. So we, we love to go for storylines that have a little bit of controversy. So even if you are not a dedicated telenovela person, if you tune to our realities, you'll still get the drama. Um, the Bala family, which just has re- recently come off air, People loved that family drama, but it's normal family drama, nothing nothing exaggerated. But the fact that you're fighting with your brother and your mother's married someone and now it's an issue and now we're not talking. So standard drama for us is to, is to show that if you would like drama, and it's not drama that's necessarily negative or violent, but if you really are loving stories that are going to intrigue you and that are going to push your mindset – we are the channel to come to and we highlight what those shows are. So literally we've taken care of you from Monday to Friday. And of course, Sunday is one of our biggest days where we've really, we've really revamped what Sunday looks like. Um, and we're super excited by some of the shows that are currently on air. We have a, an arranged marriage show at the moment, which is called Nketele. We've never done something like that. So it's an experiment for us. And again, that research, how are they responding? Do they get it? Do they not get it? Um, and we also have uh, Clash of the Choirs coming in September because yeah. music is a big thing um, for our audiences. Uh, big Brothers coming up, of course, uh, again in January, a local one, Big Brother Mzanzi. And then we have a brand new format coming, I think, in June, which we'll soon announce. So for us, it's big, it's dramatic, it's exciting, it's entertaining, but it's for the family. That That's really what we're driving with this campaign. All right. So you heard it right there. It is a very fascinating, um, you know, world um, in which they are operating in, catering to local audiences. Um, and, you know, very fascinating to hear the fact that you can launch, you know, up to 10 uh, different shows in a month. And, you know, one can imagine, you know, the amount of work that's going on in a building like this. So that's been it. We were in conversation with uh, Shirley Adonisi, who is the director uh, for Local Entertainment Channel offer at Mnet. Shirley, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Pocket Cast or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So, for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. Thank you.